The scripture reading this morning is from Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you guys so much for leading us in worship and uh, that happy day song. Um, I'm glad they didn't ask me to sing that. I appreciate that. Well, uh, this year is our church's 75th anniversary, and so we've been going through, you guys who have been here on Sundays know that we've been going through the whole Bible in a year, from Genesis to Revelation, covering the whole story of Scripture. And it's been a really, uh, I think, interesting and, and encouraging time in a lot of ways, but one way that it hasn't been encouraging is for those of us who are optimistic about human nature. You know, we've read the Old Testament, and over and over we've seen people fall short. People like you and me fail in ways that uh, they would have, in hindsight, done things very differently. And especially where we've seen failures come up again and again in the Old Testament is when people are given power. Over and over in the Old Testament, people just like us uh, are petty. They cling to power when they should let go. They're kings who exploit those who they're supposed to serve, and religious leaders who take advantage of their position for personal gain. And as we read this part, these parts of the Old Testament, we really see a mirror back to our own life experience, and unfortunately a mirror sometimes back even to our own soul. We see how often we cling to authority and power at the expense of others. And I wonder if maybe that's been your experience with life. Maybe you've been around uh, parents or political leaders or religious leaders who have used power at your expense. And it seems like when we read the Old Testament, uh, that sometimes that humility and power are just mutually exclusive categories. The power seems to drive out humility. Even characters like Saul or David or Solomon, who seem to be humble at the beginning of their leadership, over time, when incubated with power, seem to have humility melt away from their heart. And we leave the Old Testament thinking, is it even possible to have authority and still be humble? Or are they just mutually exclusive? Like you, you can't be powerful and humble the same way that darkness and light don't exist together or being cool and being a dad don't exist together. <laughs> is it wrong that I really was excited about that joke? Like, I was like, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm happy about this one, which is a very dad joke in and of itself. All right. And so a lot of us, when we experience this, experience the way that humility and power don't fit together, we just resign ourselves to cynicism. We hide behind axioms like power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And, you know, there's a lot of history and sociology and political science and that proves that. There's a lot of the Old Testament that proves that. That it seems like the weight of power is too much for humility. But then we come to Easter and then we come to Jesus. And we see in him and in the events of Easter weekend the exact opposite of what so many examples of power have taught us is true about the world and about human nature. 
And so we're going to look at one of those passages today from Philippians 2 that describes how power and humility both exist within the person of Jesus at the same time. And the reason we're going to look at this is because it's Easter weekend and it describes Easter in a really profound way, but also because, as Paul says to the Philippians, this should be your mindset as well and my mindset as well, that we can have the same mind that Christ had. So if you brought a Bible, feel free to open to Philippians 2 um, and pull the sermon outline from your bulletin. If you didn't bring a Bible with or you don't have a Bible app on your phone, uh, you're welcome to follow along on the outline. I I put the, the passage there for you to read as well this morning. Well, if you're new to the church, you're new to the Bible, the book of Philippians is one of the first letters that an early Christian leader wrote to the church, uh, to the church at Philippi at the time. So the Apostle Paul wrote to this burgeoning church to describe what the Christian life was like. And in our passage today from Philippians 2, he summarized what was probably a very important early Christian creed or hymn and said, because you know this is true, this is how you should live as well. It's a, it's a remarkable passage. It's a short one, but it's, it's a really important one for understanding the Christian faith. Because Paul tells the Philippians that, like Jesus, we should have the same humble mindset, and we should see in Easter the example of humility. This is Philippians 2, 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, or you might paraphrase that, a thing to be clutched onto or held onto. Verse 7, but he emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Jesus is the rare king who gives up his throne. He gives it up just by coming to earth. He voluntarily casts off authority in order to come in humility at Christmas. We're going to start, I know it's Easter weekend, it's not Christmas, I'm not confused, I didn't have too many donuts, but we're going to start with Christmas because Christmas is the beginning of the path of humility that Jesus walks down. He leaves the throne room of God, he is in very nature equal with God, and yet he lays aside his divine attributes in order to be with us. He leaves the perfect community of the Father and the Spirit in order to experience conflict with men and women like you and me. He leaves the security and power of heaven to experience the instability and insecurity of birth in a manger. Jesus, out of humility and out of love for us, leaves equality with God for equality with man. This should spark wonder in us, the idea that Jesus would leave the throne room of God to become a baby, that he would lay aside his divine attributes and take on human nature. Now, at this point, some of you might object to this and say, you know, Bob, when you were going to talk about humility, I thought that might be helpful to my life. Like, humility sounds like an interesting virtue to talk about, but I don't really believe that Jesus was God. I mean, I think that's kind of a, an ancient suspicion. Um, what, why can't we just talk about humility and virtue? Why, why do we have to talk about these sort of bizarre theological claims that Christians make? And if that's kind of where you're coming from, I'm, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're thinking through this with me. I, I think there, there are good reasons theological reasons, philosophical reasons, historical reasons, to believe that Jesus was the Son of God. But we'll we'll lay that aside for right now. Even if you don't believe that, I hope that in listening to this passage, you'll at least want it to be true. Here's what I mean by that. I I hope that as you see Jesus' example of humility and the beauty and wonder that the New Testament lays out, that you'll have a longing like, God, I, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if you're there. I don't know if Jesus is really your son or what that even means, but man, I wish that was true about you. 
I wish that was true about the world, that God would model humility in such a beautiful way. So uh, I would ask that you would hold open the possibility, even just for the rest of this 25 minutes or so, that it could be true. And what would it matter, what would it mean if it was, that God was so humble that he would come to dwell with us? And even if you're not convinced by the end of the sermon, that's cool. There's, there's, there's still plenty of time to think through that with God. Well, part of why we struggle, I think, with believing that it could really be true, that God could really want to dwell with us, is because we so rarely see anyone give up authority for any reason in our world, don't we? I mean, think about uh, like despotic rulers like Robert Mugabe in Zimbabwe or uh, the president of Venezuela who's starving his people to death rather than abdicating his leadership. This is sort of the normal human experience we have. People don't let go of power. We see it in the Old Testament with King Saul. He's rejected not once but twice by God and told that he no longer deserves to be the king. But he spends the next 30 years of his life pretending, clinging, losing his soul and his life to try to hold on to power that shouldn't be his. Now those are sort of grand regal examples, but we see it in our lives too. We see it in lives of the people around us. We see parents that we know that they have 25-year-old kids, 30-year-old kids, 40-year-old kids, and they can't seem to let go of the authority that they shouldn't even have anymore in their kids' lives. Uh, we see it with bosses who micromanage. I'm sure none of you bosses are like this, but maybe a bosses you've had, <laughs> um, who insist on taking credit and shuffling off blame and meddling in what your work that you do. These examples are all too familiar in our life, right? And yet these are people that shouldn't even have the power they do. How wonderful is it that Jesus would give up power that he deserves in order to serve, and how rare that is. You know, on the rare chances we do see someone abdicate, it's usually for self-satisfaction reasons. Right? I've got one historical example and one contemporary one. You know, King, King Edward VIII in England, uh, you may know him as the guy from The Crown on Netflix. You know, he, he gives up his throne. Why? Because he wants to marry who he wants to marry. It's not to serve other people, it's what he gets out of it. Or Magic Johnson from the Lakers, who gives up the throne of president of basketball operations, which in my mind is a pretty important throne, right? And what's his reasoning? Because I like being Magic Johnson, and this was too much work. Right? <laughs> right? Even when people give up authority, they only give it up because of what they get out of it. And yet in Jesus, we see such a remarkable contrast to that. We see someone who gives up the throne, not for what he can get, but in order to serve and be obedient to the Father. And it's not just that he comes here out of humility, it's that he goes to the pinnacle of humility by dying the death we deserve on the cross. L listen to verse 8 from Philippians 2. Being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Even if Jesus had never died for us, he would have been humble. But the fact that he humbled himself even to death is a remarkable example of humility for us. It is the most humble moment in history when someone who deserves all glory and honor chooses to be mocked and shamed. When someone who deserves all power puts himself at the mercy of man. How could Jesus have such humility? It's a graphic representation of Jesus' humility, isn't it? It's so irrational that he would do this. It's so unusual that he would do this. The crowd is full of mockers, people rejecting Jesus. And yet Jesus doesn't feel the need to prove himself right, to avenge himself, but humbles himself to death on the cross. 
In fact, the cross really was designed to humiliate the participant. The one who was being crucified was meant to have all their pride stripped away. Um, Henry Nouwen, the famous uh, psychologist and theologian, said that there are three ways that humans use to find pride. We ask questions like, what do I have? What do people say about me? And what have I done? What do I have? What do people say about me? And what have I done? And oftentimes we get ourselves tied in knots around those three questions. What do I have? What do people say about me? And what have I done? And the cross rips all three of those away. Right? What do people say about Jesus on the cross? They say, he saved others, let him save himself. Right? What does he have? Right? He has nothing. Even his clothes are taken away and gambled by his executioners. What has he done? His claim to be king of the Jews is used as a mockery and a sign above him by Pilate. The cross rips away any source of pride. And Jesus does that as an example of humility for all of us. Jesus' example is not one that's thrust on him. His humility is not against his will. Right? You might remember in John 10, Jesus tells his disciples, um, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down willingly. Right? This is Jesus' gift, not just to set an example, but to save us from our sin. And the further he goes down, the higher he's exalted by God. His example of humility really contrasts with how everyone we see treating power. You know, in the Old Testament, as we got through this year of the Old Testament, we've seen even the good kings have a very kill or be killed sort of Game of Thrones mentality. Um, that's not an endorsement from your pastor to watch Game of Thrones, just to be clear. Uh, but it's a, it's a reality of how human nature is, right? We read about David and Solomon, even the better kings in the Old Testament, taking vengeance on their enemies. And the worst kings, men like Ahab, uh, taking vengeance on their friends. But this isn't Jesus, right? As Mark 10 says, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Um, Jesus, in his humility, serves us and does the very thing that we need so desperately. Someone who can come from God and who can pay the ransom that we owe. Someone who has come from God and who never sinned and yet become sin to take on our sins on his behalf. We need someone who can make a bridge between us and God, and Jesus accomplishes that. And because he has come from heaven to earth, he can bring us from earth to heaven with him. Jesus has come low in order to come near to us, and our response needs to be humility and kind. The only way that we can meet Jesus is if we admit that we are at the same place that he's come down to. He has said, I've come to give my life as a ransom for many. And if we say, I'm good, we, we, we can never avail ourselves of that. He's come in order to serve us and die the death that we deserve. But if we say, I don't deserve that, we can never benefit from it. We need to meet him at the point that he has come to meet us, which is the place of humility at the cross. Imagine, for example, if uh, you said, hey, Bob, I'd like to come over to your house and bring you a million dollars. And I, I said, that's fine, I like that. Um, <laughs> uh, where, where do you live? And I said, uh, I don't, I don't want to admit where I really live. I live in Beverly Hills, right? Just, just drive around Beverly Hills and, and you'll find me there, right? Well, I don't live in Beverly Hills, obviously. Um, I would never find you, I would never benefit from what you're offering if I don't admit to where I live and where I am. In the same way, we can never connect with Jesus if we're in denial about our spiritual state without him. Well, 
the humility of Jesus doesn't end at the cross. In fact, there's a reason this is an Easter sermon and not just a Good Friday sermon, which is that the humility of Jesus continues all the way through Easter morning. It's not that uh, he's humble to death on the cross and then he becomes exalted. No, his humility leads to his exaltation. Um, In the last part of the passage, we'll see how Paul describes how Jesus is brought back to life and elevated to the right hand of God. And in that exaltation, we see the results of humility. Look at verses 9 to 11. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Why is it important that God exalted Jesus through the resurrection? Well, because the resurrection is vindication. Think about all the cross took away, right? It took away what everyone said about Jesus, right? It, it, he became a mockery. And yet, the, what Paul says here in Philippians 2 is that uh, Easter gives him the name that is above every name. That's what people say about him now. What has he done, right? The cross was a mockery of what he had done, and yet now he is not just the king of the Jews, but he is the king over every people, Philippians says. Uh, what do people say about me? Rather than receiving ridicule, now every tongue confesses that Jesus is Lord. It is a complete reversal of the shame of the cross, and it is a sign that Jesus' humility has succeeded. The, the depth the low depths he has gone to has resulted in high elevation. All right, I've got a little uh, prop to explain this, but I need help from a kid. Are there any kids here want to help me with something? Or, t- oh, cool, come on, come on. All right. All right, so rubber band. You can come on the platform. That's cool. Whoops, I dropped it. What's your name? Rosalind. Thanks for helping, Rosalind. Can you guys give Rosalind a hand, by the way? All right. I'll, so how far can rubber band shoot? Yeah, it depends how far you pull it, right? So if you pull it way down, how high is it going to go? Do you think you hit the lights? No? Well, let's, get, let's give it a try. See, see how far you, far you can shoot. You've been practicing at school for this, I'm sure, for years. <laughs> Watch your eyes out there in the audience. Yep, go for it. Just shoot it. I'm not going to be bad at you. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a trick rubber band. <laughs> see, you need to pay less attention in school and do more of this. So. <laughs> Right? The, thanks, Rosalind. I appreciate your help. See, we need, we, need, <laughs> we need to remember that when we think about how Jesus, the further Jesus goes down, the higher he's exalted. Right? The epitome of, of his humility brings about the epitome of his exaltation. And the same thing is true for us, right? If we refuse to humble ourselves before God, if we refuse to repent of our sins, there is no exaltation. It's like a rubber band that has no tension on it, that never goes low, so it never goes high. This is really the fulfillment of the hope of the Old Testament. Over and over in the Old Testament, Israel is reminded of the seriousness of their sin, the sacredness of God, and the need for someone to deliver them. And throughout the Old Testament, the hope is that God's people would humble themselves before God. And yet, like us today, it's so difficult to bend the knee. And it's so difficult to obey his voice because we are so prideful, just like Israel was. And so, just as they struggle with humility, and we struggle with humility today, and insisting instead on control, Jesus gives us a different model of how we can bend our knee before God 
and in so doing, trust that he will lift us up at his right hand. Well, a lot of this is unique to Jesus, of course, but not all of it. His example of humility is a paradigm for how we should treat each other. In Philippians 2, Paul connects the cross with how we're supposed to treat one another. And the whole chapter is about this. It's all worth reading, but I'll just point out one verse in verse 4, where it says, Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. What Paul's saying is that we should see Jesus' model of humility as, as an example for how we're to treat one another. Just as Jesus washed the disciples' feet, so we're to serve one another. Just as Jesus gave up his own life for us, so we're to serve one another and the world around us. Just as Jesus entrusted himself to the Father's hands, so we entrust ourselves to our Father's hands. Just as Jesus refused to respond to criticism um, and refused to take matters into his own hands, so are we to trust in the providence of God. We're supposed to do this at home, in the church, in the community, and of course in the world. And just as, um, just as Jesus was willing to let down, uh, lay down the questions of what have I done, what do people say about me, um, what have I accomplished, we're to lay those things down before God, trusting that he will exalt us with him forever. Well, Easter is an important weekend to be reminded of the humility and kingliness of Jesus. It's great to be reminded that our king has served us even to the point of death on the cross and that he is king today and forever. And in response, we're to be humble before one another, knowing that Jesus is exalted, knowing that for a thousand years, 10,000 years, we'll have the benefit of knowing him. We can be humble in the in-between time, between now and then. Well, a couple questions for you to think about and pray about that are on your sheet here. Um, one, how do you treat power? All of us have power in different ways, in different relationships, in our families, in our workplaces, in our communities, in our neighborhoods. How would people around you say you treat power? Do you use it to serve or to be served? As you look at Jesus' example, does that make sense to you and seem congruent with your life? Or does it seem to be a foolish approach to life? And are you clinging to power over others? Secondly, you know, we see Jesus' humility as benefiting us and the world around us. So how do we respond to his humility with gratitude? How can we say thank you on this Easter? And then lastly, Jesus is not just humble, but he is exalted. And in his humility, there is exaltation. So how can we delight in the fact that he's on the throne today? Let's close our time in prayer. Jesus, thank you for your example of humility. We see in it the paradigm for what it means to be truly human. Your willingness to give up the throne for us is really astounding. Um, but we thank you even more than that, that we benefit from your humility. Not just that we learn from it, but that we need it. Uh, your death on the cross for our sins is our deepest need, and so thank you, Lord. Would you give us the same attitude in our lives here, that we would be humble towards our friends and spouses and coworkers and neighbors, and in so doing, point people to you. In Jesus' name, amen.